I don't get really fired up too often, and never about partisan politics. Well, almost never. The Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez waking Atlanta up to the true threats to our liberty every Saturday from 3 to 6 right here on 95.5 WSB. And what is the biggest threat to our liberty in the here and now, especially since the last time that we were together? I was I took some time off for UGA football, but I am back for the foreseeable future on Saturdays at from three to six. But what has been the most significant thing to me actually happened this week, yesterday. The articles of impeachment, the the House Judiciary Committee passed along party lines two articles of impeachment against Trump, one for abuse of power and the other for obstruction of Congress, I think technically it's called. And then it goes to the bigger house for a vote next week. And uh, if all goes according to plan, they will probably pass it if it's still along party lines. Then it goes to the Senate for actual trial. Now, I looked back on when Bill Clinton was impeached. And actually, the articles of impeachment for him were passed by the House on December 19th, 1998. So maybe it'll happen on that anniversary. And he was acquitted on February 12th, I think. Just So it was just a couple of months. It didn't drag on a whole year. I don't know how they're going to play it out next year, I think. So I have, I think that there are a couple of reasons for this. I think this is all like kabuki theater or it just, uh, it's a show for us. It's reaching preposterous proportions. And I, you know, me, I'm always down the rabbit hole. I think there are three purposes here. I think they're intentional, but they don't have to be intentional, but they are actually happening. That's for sure. One is that this whole thing, which was based on a call that Trump made to the president of Ukraine, which said where Trump may or may not have asked him to investigate any Ukrainian interference in 2016 election, uh, U.S. election, or any interference that originated there, and also to investigate Hunter Biden and uh, Burisma. So, and then that was supposedly a quid pro quo uh, against aid that we had withheld to send over there and a White House meeting. Now, I personally do not read that call that way. I don't, even if you think that might be the underlying factors, I don't believe that there's enough there to to hold anyone legally accountable in any way for any wrongdoing. There was no, nothing actually came of it. And in fact, I actually wondered at a certain point if, if this was the way to keep, if actually making this a U.S. issue was a way to keep Ukraine from investigating Burisma. And I just saw a headline this week that said Zelensky holds back on Burisma probe. So in reality, what's happening here, and he blamed this process. So what's happening here actually affected Zelensky in the opposite way of what we're told was the goal of that call. But Parliament didn't ask Zelensky to probe Burisma as a result of U.S. action. That was in the works already, from what I can tell, because they they did, right before all this stuff happened at the end of the spring, they started looking into Privat Bank, which is an affiliated company with Burisma that is still at the heart of Ukrainian politics and IMF money. So it's a very important issue for Ukraine, and they were going to dig into it. So 
as luck would have it for Joe Biden, his running for office, Trump interfering in this way, gives Zelensky cover to shut that down. Now, Zelensky is going to want to shut down anyway, because his um, the guy who was his puppet master when Zelensky was an actor, Kolomoisky, is the guy who owned Pravak Bank. So Zelensky is personally interested, or at least his good friends are personally interested in Burisma not being investigated. And now he has cover for that because he says, we need aid from the U.S. We don't want to do this. So I think the underlying issue is actually backfiring. And that, to me, makes me wonder how stupid are these people or how smart are they? Two other things I think that will come of this is that Trump will get reelected. I think that this will backfire. I think the Democrats look ridiculous and partisan and mean-spirited. And this will, I think they actually wouldn't mind Trump getting reelected because if you look at a big piece of legislation that came down this week, the USMCA, which is an absolutely straight-up globalist trade deal that I hope to really lay out for you, at least why I think that it's a, a triumph for globalism in this show, I would like to lay that out. But it, but Pelosi said she ate their lunch with this. They're her negotiating crushed the Republicans in this. Trump hailed it as a success. And I think that the Democrats can see working with Trump. So they can't say they want to get him back in. And this gives them cover for losing on purpose. That's maybe too far down the rabbit hole. I don't know. And then... Ultimately, stuff like this, I think, is very easy to see as the smoke and mirrors that's needed to get something like USMCA passed without any public scrutiny at all. If there was nothing in the news, if it was a slow news week, people would have to cover it. As it was, Pelosi released the articles of impeachment two hours before she announced that after a year of wrangling, they finally came to terms on the USMCA. Now, I don't think that was such a, wow, all of a sudden this happened because all of the relevant parties were sitting at a table in Mexico City, pens in hand with that document in front of them, ready to stroke their signatures as soon as the word came down from Pelosi. So I think that the timing was highly orchestrated, but impeachment provides a lot of cover for for any real policy matters. Bill Barr has basically, when I was rereading what Bill Barr brought out with Project Guardian, it almost makes failing a background check a crime. It will That will trigger an investigation and consequences. I mean, these are things that you probably haven't heard of outside of this show or uh, my producer Binkley and I do a podcast. Binkley, hi, how are you doing? I just wanted to get that out there, but here you are. I'm great. How are you? I'm great. I So I'm telling people that we do a daily show, Drive Time News Blast, which you can find at thepropreport.com or uh, under Propaganda Report in any of the podcast feeds that you listen to. And we cover this stuff fairly consistently. We dig into what's in the news. But I ha- a lot of these things I hadn't – I it was on page six or whatever, the deep buried stuff. And for me, these are the policy matters that, that make a big difference and that Republicans Republicans wouldn't really like. So, so this impeachment thing, I think you and I Bingley, had a funny reaction is that I was so infuriated by this, not because of the, what I just laid out, what I think that is really going on behind the scenes, because that's just party politics. But for me, what really infuriated me is that I feel like this is part of a pattern of intentionally making our system Flawed though it is, it does really it 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 has 
worked. It has conflict resolution. It has a way to come to agreement. It's a terribly corrupt and coercive system, but its mechanisms, its process have been effective. And I feel like across the board, I won't rattle them off beyond like maybe criminal justice and the way they look at um, uh, the surveillance state and a censorship state, like things like this, they use terrorism or drug war or whatever to promote the surveillance state and the censorship state. All that stuff is there to undermine our fund. As Michael Chertoff, the Department of Homeland Security, second chief of that, said, we need a fundamental we need Congress to institute a new fundamental legal architecture. And I've seen kind of echoes of that all over the place. And when I see something like this, a true subversion of the of any kind of common sense application of the law, or when I hear people telling kids to walk out of school or subvert the system or don't follow the rules, even though there are rules for this that work there. And I just feel like there's a, there's an intentional attempt to undermine the system so that we will have a new legal architecture. And, and to see the Democrats do that, like made me, Super mad. And I'm not saying the Republicans aren't even playing along, but it made me super mad. And you said that you witnessed that among other people you were surprised to see could really get fired up over that. Yeah, Scott Adams does a podcast and he doesn't really get angry about stuff, but he came back to his podcast after the impeachment stuff and he had had it and he was swearing and he couldn't understand why he was so angry. And we both had similar reactions. It just yeah, wore and, people down. And so here I am. I, I'm not, I just, I don't even. I'm not a defender of Trump. I think this will get him reelected. Yeah. But but I believe but I feel like it's not just such a bad precedent because then we'll have impeachments all over the place. It's a bad precedent because what it's going to show is and you can see it in the Boris Johnson election. They were talking about it wasn't so much that he won, but that Democrats lost. And and they talk about how the internal processes within the parties aren't working. And the election itself has somehow gets us the leaders who are the opposite of what we really want and need. And so when the Democrats screw this up and Trump wins again, they're going to say this system is so broken that when we use it, we actually get the opposite of what we want. Yeah, I think the election is going to be democracy's last stand in the way that they present it. I think so, too. And I'm not even a fan of democracy. I'm a fan of objective law, which I don't even think needs a coercive government. I think it's, as I've said a thousand times, don't touch me or my stuff. And if you look at that and you think of it, honestly, we can all get behind it. And that's kind of what bothers me about these articles of impeachment is that you look at it and you, there's no honesty there. And law, although it looks black and white, requires a certain level of common sense or logical honesty or or recognition of of the the intention of these rules, and say, they just turn it on its head. Common sense and logical honesty are two things that have not been associated with the impeachment inquiry thus far. Agreed totally, and what I'm hoping for and why I think – one thing that actually makes me happy about the fact that we're enraged about it, although I think they're intentionally enraging us because – 
that's how it looks like the system is broken down, but that we still have standards that this violates. Anyway, so if other people, maybe people have a different reaction or the same, let's see if, if other people had that kind of emotional reaction. Give me a call, 404-872-0750 or 800-WSB-TALK. We'll take some calls after the break. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. I'm not interested in fantasies. I'm interested in reality. On 95.5 WSB, Atlantis News and Talk. Let's waste no time. Get to the phones if you want to. What do you really think is going on here with the impeachment? What do you want to see? 404-872-0750. You can call 800-WSB-TALK. I'm going to Gregory right off the bat. Hey, Gregory, you're on with Monica. Monica, how are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm well. I just wanted to make a comment, and that is that I think the entire, our entire democracy, you see, don't like it, but that's what it is. I think it's being undermined by both sides. You know, if me, and I served in the military, being an American citizen, if I get subpoenaed, I've got to honor it. Oh, I go to jail. It's just that simple. And all these loopholes for these politicians, whether it's to the right or left, to me, is just making a mockery of whatever this system is, and it's a bunch of crap, in my opinion. The Democrats should have been fired up about Hillary not answering to the subpoenas and what was being requested by the Congress and uh, or whatever. And the same thing with the president. You don't get off. You don't get to stop. That, that he, he just checks and balances. And they don't mean anything but the people. These government officials get to get away with this stuff. If you subpoena, you're supposed to honor it. That's what these soldiers are fighting for. So to me, I think we're headed for this one world government and we're being undermined by both sides. They're just playing good cop, bad cop. Because Oops, sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, I wanted to respond, Gregory. Uh, the I absolutely think that we're headed to one world government, and I want to talk about the USMCA as the foundation stone of the one world government that is being ushered in while all eyes are on impeachment. I agree with you that the subpoena thing is the is the where to where the meat of this is because just like resisting arrest, when these underlying these underlying uh, charges don't even have to be to have any weight. Like the Mueller thing says Trump didn't collude, but he might have obstructed justice. So it's kind of a trap. You know, Nixon was was gotten that same way. He wasn't in on the break in at all. He was in on a cover up, but he was actually entrapped by Dean. So these it's almost like they want to get you and they do get you if you don't follow that procedure. So I think that that's the more serious allegation. I'm with you there. But you can go back to Operation Fast and Furious, Daryl Issa, Eric Holder. They played this out in front of us, but no consequences were ever meted out. And it, and it, nothing was ever gotten to the bottom of. So this has been going on for a long time. You're right. But I do think that they kind of crossed a line by bringing this to the level of impeachment when the underlying offense is so squishy. No. All right. So I got well, anyway, I have to actually go to a hard break, Gregory. So uh, I'm going to have to I'm happy to take more calls, more feedback after the break. 404-872-0750-800-WSB-TALK. I also want to kind of pull out why I think this underlying charge was so squishy. There's more evidence since last time I talked to you that Ukraine uh, that that this isn't about Trump's call at all, that there really is corruption in Ukraine. Stay tuned. This is Monica Perez. 
Live and festive in the Publix Holiday Headquarters studio at 95.5 WSB. Monica Perez. Have you ever questioned the nature of your reality? On 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's News and Talk. I am waking Atlanta up to the true threats to our liberty every Saturday from 3 to 6. I am back. And it's a good thing I'm back because things are heating up. This impeachment has got uh, my blood boiling. And I actually said that out loud. And my son, who has Down syndrome, was like, how is that possible? How is it possible that your blood is boiling? And I was like... (laughs) I couldn't. I was like, it's a figure of speech. So I was, he was worried. He was worried about the impact that the impeachment had on me. And me, who I'm not, my mom and my brother are huge Trump supporters, huge. And I'm just, I'm not a hater. I think he's an actor. I think that we're going to get globalism in the guise of not globalism. That's where I think this is headed. But my son goes to public schools. So of course, they're like all anti-Trump and bring him home, like completely brainwash him. So my brother got on a campaign to get my son to like Trump because my son is going to be able to vote this year. I'm like, dude, wow. uh, I know. So I was trying to explain to him and he's like, why would anyone like Trump? My son said, and I said, well, think about it this way. Like, you know how you want to drive a car and you're not allowed to drive a car because you have Down syndrome. Like that's like his biggest disappointment in life. And I said, well, what if Trump wanted to make a law to let people with Down syndrome drive? And ever since I suggested that, because he's not that sophisticated, he doesn't understand it was a hypothetical. Yeah. Now he's pro-Trump. And he tried, my, my brother sent him Trump bumper stickers, so he started handing them out at school, and he got <laughs> wow. in big trouble. Did he? Yeah, I said, look, you're, it's, everybody's going to love you if you hate him, but if you start loving him, keep it to yourself. He's, it's too, then he's like, I'm confused. I'm like, I know. I'm sorry, honey. Anyway, he thinks that my blood is actually boiling. It's not, but I was really mad. And you're talking to somebody who I think this is all a show. And I'm still mad because as much as I have my own ideology about how what I think a just society would look like, a free and just society, I've I've moved. I'm so disgusted by how things are actually working these days that I've I've begun to think that you're better off with good faith execution of government, administration of government, than the ideology you prefer. That like the corruption is so powerful and anything can be corrupted that really we need to just keep our eye on what's what's happening up there. And this impeachment thing is a perfect example of how they're kind of colluding almost or cooperating to to undermine the, the stability, the fabric of our of of what makes us makes life be able to progress, like for us to be able to function economically, to go home at night and not freak out, not be attacked. I just I feel like they're really trying to precipitate crises so they can rewrite our fundamental laws, which do provide a lot of protections against government overreach. It's our last hope that that thin ecru line of the Bill of Rights. Anyway, so I'm going to go to some calls, 404-872-0750. wonder if people agree with me or what. I'm going to James. James, you're on with Monica. Hello. Oh, yeah, here you go. Hi, James. Hey, Monica. Uh, it's so delightful to hear you uh, again on the radio. At uh, I've been looking for you, and I've, I'm a, a call in a couple times, but I want to invite you on my show. I have a YouTube 
you go to Faith Unveil Network, and I'm 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 the host of the program called You Can't Handle the Truth. <laughs> well, and I, I have, I've got eight shows so far. I'm in 115 countries, and uh, it's such a demand of, of they want me to produce five more shows to make it 13 shows for a complete season. Of season one. Of well, if you are a good faith, if this is a good faith opportunity and you are what you say you are, I basically never say no to a cordial invitation. So I'm, I'm happy to have it. Feel free to email me through my website, which is monicaperezshow.com or thepropreport.com where you can find all of our podcasts, Binkley and I. But I will, I will warn you, I've gotten taken down from YouTube. So I might be too hot to handle. <laughs> but we'll see if you're willing to take the chance. I'm happy to participate. I'm going to go to Joe. Joe, you are on with Monica. Can you hear me? Well, thanks, Mom, for taking my call again. Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, go for it. What you got? Look, I'm just going to start at the bottom real quick and try to put this all together in the in a nutshell, believe it or not. I mean, right down at the bottom of uh, Attorney General Lynch to Rice to Samantha Powers, on up to Comey himself, on up through Hillary, of course, right to the front door of Barack Obama. If somebody in this administration is not carried away in an orange jumpsuit in in, uh, handcuffs in, let's say, another year, uh, only only will Donald Trump let me down, really. But somebody here, this fight fight needs to be fought, and it needs to be fought in the Senate because we know the sham impeachment there. But this could, but this in the Senate, when it goes to the Senate, this can open the door to a lot of things. And I think this is a good fight. Every time I listen to your show, everybody talks about how we're heading to the new world order or whatever, new one world government. It may very well happen, but I think we can delay that. Certainly the election of Donald Trump three years ago has. So I think we need to have this fight. People don't need to cowl. We need to rise up as Americans, as God-fearing, red-blooded Americans, no matter what the color of our skin is or whatever, for once, and give the give the left exactly what they deserve i know they got better game on the system than the average american and the way we vote but i really believe if we put up the fight we can just they can be just as scared as us as they are donald trump and the truth is they fear donald trump and we need to make them fear us and i see i wish sorry joe i wish that i agreed with you that he is what he says he is a swamp drainer the the scariest thing the left has ever seen that he's kicking the can on the new world order like he convinced us well not me because i'm just terminally cynical but that that he was the anti-globalist and then i looked at the usmca the united states mexico canada trade agreement that passed this week that was signed it still has to pass the house and the senate we can stop it i think we should do everything we can to stop it this is i want to talk about it later on but 57% of the text of USMCA was word for word lifted, cut and pasted from the TPP, which Trump said, that thing's got to go. I'm ushering in a whole new world. 72%. There was, I think, 32 out of 33 or 29 out of 30 chapters in TPP have equivalents in USMCA and 72% of the articles within those chapters are 
equivalent to TPP. So I would say it's 70 percent the same document. And that, I believe, is going to be this cornerstone, this foundation stone to plug in. There's actually a provision in it that says if you enter into a unilateral agreement with another non-market country, not Canada or Mexico, you have to come back here and we can kick you out of this North American Union if you enter into China, enter into UK, whatever. But we would never do that. So probably they're going to plug those other agreements into the USMCA. And I really think that's what Brexit is about and everything. I think we're going to a this is globalism and it's happening behind the smoke and mirrors of impeachment. And even though I think that's what's really going on, the impeachment still made me mad. So help me figure that one out, if you would. I'm going to ask Brandon. I'm going to go to Brandon next. Brandon, you're on with Monica. Monica, first, I just want to say I love everything you do. I'm on board 100 percent, and I probably go even a little further. And just to add to the point what you just said about this globalism coming in and impeachment being a distraction, I really feel that these global elites, they're, they're just so many steps ahead of us. So anytime there is a movement going, like, yeah, the Ron Paul freedom movement going, which is great. And then I feel it kind of got hijacked and taken over. I mean, they still have a great movement going, don't get me wrong, but the larger um, angst that that was addressing got taken over by Donald Trump. And that totally happened, agree. same thing with Barack Obama with the wars, you know, when he got, he just took that anti-war movement of a left and he harnessed it to get elected, basically. And the militarization of the police was becoming something that was uniting us, and they turned it into a race thing. Yeah, exactly. And I feel that these guys that like the CFR and all these, you know, trilateral yeah. trilateral commissions and stuff, this is the stuff that they talk about. They see these things coming. And I was able to see this because uh, in the last year I got into, I guess you could call it like occult studies, but it's just really about psychology and it's just about how uh, they use like things like astrology and tarot. I mean, how great as crazy as this sounds, but they use this to predict the uh, what's going on with people and the the trends that are coming up. So they have these things ready made to go. Oh, yeah. You know, they just slap them on. It's crazy. I will say, I think I, I think a lot about that occult stuff because, first of all. I think absolutely they had the psychology thing down. You can go back to as far as the report from Iron Mountain in the 60s where they talked about they used computer studies to figure out the impact of a tiny policy change on uh, some economic situation in one corner of the world. Like they have been using their analytical ability and their research that we fund not to share it with us but to use it against us i absolutely believe that the occult stuff leaves me kind of scratching my head because i believe that they use that occult stuff to to control people's minds maybe or like get them into thinking they're i don't know what i'm not sure if the occult stuff is a way if they really even believe it or if they are just using it as a tool. Is there really an occult element? Because when you see some of the terrible things they do, false flags or whatever, you have to wonder what kind of... They have a different moral architecture than we do for them to be able to do that stuff. Or is it just about pure, unadulterated greed and they use that occult stuff to make it look like there's something else going on? If you have, I have like a, a minute, but yeah, you can respond to that. Yeah, I love that you asked me that question. In a minute, I'm going to sum it up this way. The, the biggest thing is occult is just misunderstood. Occult simply means hidden. 
It's just yes. hidden knowledge of the human psychology that they've been using for years. So this could be used in a positive or negative sense. There's people that believe it goes back to Egypt, and it used to be used in a positive sense. And the way you can, I just want to say the way you can always um, identify them is by their symbolism. If you want to look into symbolism, that is the key to all of this, like the symbolism in the tarot and stuff. They use it in all, like the uh, police symbolism. There's always an octagon. You no, know, I was going to do, say, do yeah, you really think there's some like elite at the top? But the police stuff does. And actually, Binkley uncovered that crazy thing about Kamala Harris. I want to take more calls. Brandon, thank you very much. I got to take a break. But Binkley, I want you to tell people about the police occult stuff with the Kamala Harris scandal, right? After the break? Yeah. All right, let's do it. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Everything she said was true. She knew. Nobody believed her. On 95.5 WSB, Atlantis News and Talk. Still very interested in your reactions to the impeachment, what you think the bigger implications are. Give me a call, 404-872-0750 or 800-WSB-TALK. If you're on hold, I will get to you this segment or the next segment. But first, I just want a one-minute Give me that bullet there, uh, Binkley, on what you discovered about some fishy stuff going on with Kamala Harris and an order of police. When Kamala Harris was the attorney general of California, a staffer of hers who received high praise in one of her reports, went around impersonating police officers to a bunch of police precincts in California, claiming to be part of a fraternal Masonic order that was descendants from the Knights Templar. And when he was arrested and questioned, he was asked if Kamala Harris knew that he was doing this. And he said, yeah, she knew. She supported it. And she has never answered a question about that and never disputed that. That was a very mysterious story that you laid out in great detail in one of our shows. If you want to find that episode number, if you know it offhand, we can get to that. And uh, it, it reminded me of when I was investigating. I, I mentioned a little while ago that I was, one of my videos, my one of my shows was taken down from YouTube. That was a show where I outed Sheriff Israel, the Parkland Sheriff, of having gone to DC for this training program that was an that was associated with an international order of police. In which case I don't even understand why that's a good thing. I don't want that. I don't want any kind of higher brotherhood than my community. That's why I want a separation of kind of federal and state. That's a form of checks and balances also. So I do think that there is some higher loyalty, at least the potential for that, which makes me a little bit nervous just speaking to Brandon's point earlier. But I, I definitely want to I've got one minute to take a call. So I'm going to do that with Mike. Mike, can you give me what you got in one minute? You're on with Monica. Um, I'll give it a try. Are you there? Try. Yeah. Okay, well, my, my biggest thing about the impeachment was the, the rhetoric from the, the Democrats, and the Republicans never seemed to counter. If you read the transcript, for me, it was very clear. Trump and Zaleski are on the same drain-the-swamp type of platform, and they're running. And when he went through his uh, conversation in the transcript, he started out with crowd strike. Then he went to Barmispo, which everybody knows crooked even during the Obama administration. And then he brings up the stuff with Biden and all. And to me, it's all about uh, his whole platform. I'm draining the swamps. And during yes, I, I think the- that's a totally reasonable interpretation of that call. And that's why, since there is nothing more to it but a bunch of hearsay from people who are clearly biased or lying, we're going to get into that in the show. I think that, yeah, that's why I, I'm horrified that these guys are raising this to the level of actually 
an impeachment trial. I don't like it. Stay tuned. This is Monica Perez. This is Monica Perez waking Atlanta up to the true threats to our liberty every Saturday from 3 to 6 right here on 95.5 WSB. And then we're well into a discussion about impeachment where I, even though I don't buy into this as what you see is what you get, it's still making me mad. And I'm usually completely above Partisan politics, but this has dragged me down into the mud. So I'm happy for you to talk me out of that or chime in 404-872-0750, 800-WSB-TALK. And in the meanwhile, my producer Binkley is here. You want to read a tweet or two and then we'll go to the calls. Yeah, I have a tweet from at DWB who says, you two put the fun in dysfunctional media. Thanks for taking the doom and gloom away from this circus. At first, I thought we were the dysfunctional media. Maybe we're dysfunctional in a good way, but I don't think so. I think that we're the only ones who are sane in uh, a lot of the mainstream. Because I don't think that what you see is what you get is a sane position here. So, oh, but he probably likes our podcast, which we do every day. If you're, if you are interested in a little dose of sanity every single day, we do 30 minutes of up to the minute news from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. You can find it at thepropreport.com or under propaganda report in all the podcast feeds, but it's great. We do it every day, hopefully by drive time. People love it. So you can get a lot of the detail that we can't always get into on just three in three hours a week, although we do try. And the benefit, though, of being here on WSB is it's a great place and we get to take calls from locals in the community. Or if you're not local, you can still call 404-872-0750. I'm going to go to Lisa. Lisa, you are on with Monica. Hi, Lisa. Hey, Monica. Um, one, I want to just put in something. Um I don't really give a hoot about Hillary. She's probably with her grandchildren today. But the caller earlier said she didn't show up to a subpoena. I watched her testify for hours and watched Trey Gowdy sweating like he was overdosing on meth or something. So you didn't correct him on that. She did I, show I don't up. even know what he's talking about. Like, I just, I'm not getting into that. I'm not talking about that today, but I'm happy to hear your views on impeachment. Well... I believe that Trump is not above the law. He's behaving as he as if he is going from anywhere to where Jared and his daughters in there. Rudy, the money from Saudi Arabia. We just lost. What? Three let's let's guys. talk about. I I think that he is. I think that he has been involved in shady dealings many times. I absolutely do. So I want to know what you're specifically talking about, so that. You know, I just want to understand if your perspective is the same as mine or whatever. Just give us your perspective. What is it that he did? I believe he should be impeached. I wish he would resign. I wish he would go away. On what grounds? Impeached on what grounds? I think the phone call with the Ukraine president was terrible. I do believe he's guilty. Guilty of what? Let's get specific. I really want to talk about Campaign trying to take out his opponent. He didn't ask. There's a part of that. If you watched it, he did not. They really find the dirt that he just wanted them to say they were investigating. I have a question for you. Do you think that Biden would have been his strongest opponent in a 2020 presidential election? I do. But so you I think wish Biden was the only one I mean, who could have beaten him. 
Amy Gugrichard, but you know, but yeah, I do believe that that was this is the strongest one. Yes. See, I don't think so. I, that's the that is the fundamental. Who do you problem. think is? Uh, Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams is not running. Not yet, right? Is the door closed? No, but I think like if she's a VP on the ticket, whoever she oh, is. Oh, I with, believe that. I believe if Biden picks Stacey. You know, I used to believe it was Kamala, and I heard y'all talking about some things, and I have some issues now with Kamala. Um, but um, And not because of the color of one's skin, because I believe Stacey is very passionate, and she will get the message out there. And, you know, uh, Biden, he is a good man. Um, I do believe that. And I don't believe he would get us into trouble. Um, but he is old. But Trump's old, too, and Trump's getting us into trouble. And I have a big problem with the Saudi Arabia thing, you know. What Saudi Arabia thing? And then I got to move on. God, what's the Saudi Arabia? Our guys didn't kill three of them in Florida at the um, base. And that has to do with Trump? Oh, yeah. Why? Yeah, the money that has gone. And then him coming out and talking great about the prince and offering the families money and all this. That's bull crap. That goes back to 9-11. Same kind of crap. And it's funny because Rudy back then wouldn't accept money from Saudi Arabia. All right, you're getting was. me all down on the weeds, Lisa, and I'm afraid you're going to go all uh, blue. But I want to I, I want to address call, some I of the things for hours that because... yeah, no, I'm sure. I want to address some of the things that you said, and I and I see this is where I fundamentally think that there's something else going on than there's more to this than what meets the eye, and that is I don't think Biden is a strong candidate. Giuliani supposedly was out, was over in Ukraine working against Biden months before it was even clear that Biden was going to run. So I feel like this narrative isn't quite right. And I think that what's actually happening over there, which I touched on earlier, is Kolomoisky is an oligarch who owned private bank and some of the documents say that he's the one who really owns Burisma right now. And private bank and Burisma shared a an address in Cyprus. So it seems like they are closely linked. Earlier this year, private bank, which was nationalized by the Ukraine government and had to be bailed out because of malfeasance on the part of Kolomoisky, Kolomoisky, he was the guy who created Zelensky, kind of like the way people don't realize Jeff Zucker created Trump. He Zucker was the boss for Apprentice, where Trump honed his skills as an actor, and Kolomoisky owned the media company where Zelensky was a TV star. So you have to assume they have a strong relationship. Maybe you don't have to assume Zucker and Trump have a strong relationship, although CNN is stronger than ever. But Kolomoisky wants, he actually has the audacity to say he wants Privat Bank or to be compensated for it. It was threatening the solvency of the entire country when it was nationalized. And he has the nerve to say that Ukraine owes him $2 billion. And that issue is not resolved. So the IMF has withheld funding to Ukraine until that issue is resolved. And Burisma, in my, I think there's a good chance Burisma is part of that. So recently, Parliament asked Zelensky to investigate Burisma, and Zelensky said no because of all the stuff that's going on here. But in my mind, that what Biden was doing, I've done a lot of research on Biden, on Hunter Biden, on his dealings in Ukraine and China, his partnership with Whitey Bulger's nephew, uh, Chris Hines, John Kerry's stepson, Devin Archer, who was a convicted fraudster until 
a friend of the Mueller report overturned his conviction. So there is a lot there that looks like corruption to me on the part of Biden. So I think Biden was not a strong candidate and that this stuff was going to come out anyway. And I don't think it would have been in Trump's favor to hit him below the knees before he even got the nomination. It would have made more sense if if Trump was really trying to use this to win the election for him to wait for Biden to get the nomination and then hit him with all this stuff. I just don't think this story holds together. And what's what's more, the impeachment itself, this article, the House Judiciary Committee, they are basing a lot of their message to the public in justification on hearsay and in some cases stuff that is totally untrue. And there is a dispute among between Ivanovich, the ambassador who was supposedly at the heart of, of a lot of this, and she was actually mentioned in that call, and Lutsenko, the Ukraine prosecutor that Biden actually had installed. So there is a dispute there, and we're going to play some clips of Lutsenko countering Ivanovich's testimony, saying that she was perjuring herself in Congress, and he did not appear in Congress. There was no counter argument here. So for me, I feel like the entire story does not hold together. And yet we're completely distracted by these surface issues, by these personalities, by this stuff without substance, when real investigation should be underway. Let's really investigate the Biden thing. Let's really investigate the Burisma thing. And then separately, you can still inve- you can still proceed against Trump and you can probably get him on the subpoena stuff if there is an underlying. You know, that's the thing is that they can always get you on something if you don't cooperate, even with a witch hunt. That's where this gets a little tricky. But I feel like there that this story does not hold together and that just that level of analysis probably gave half the people who are following impeachment tired head because it has so much. It, it just has content. Which in 14 hours of testimony on Thursday, I don't. I think there was less content than I just gave you in a minute and a half. So, but we're going to play some clips to back this up so you can make your own judgment on how the media is handling this stuff and what some of the facts might be behind the scenes here. So stay tuned for that. Binkley's going to bring some really show-stopping clips, I think. And you can feel free to call. Let's let's keep the conversation going. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Now, there is a president who may have been elected, but the real man in charge lives several miles underground. On 95.5 WSB, Atlantis News and Talk. Let's keep getting some calls, and then we're going to switch to the deeper dive with Binkley at the bottom of the hour, 404 Let me go to Travis. Travis, you are on with Monica. How are you doing, Travis? Hey, Monica. How are yeah, you doing? You're on. Great. Uh, I don't want to keep much of your time, but uh, I was just wanting to just call in and mention, because I just stumbled upon this broadcast, because I didn't know you were out there, how uh, refreshing it is to... Find someone out there that's just not, you know, it's just left versus right, and then they got the, you know, the sunglasses on where they can't see, you know, anything farther beyond what they're told in the news, and and you know they don't know how to think for themselves or connect dots or that or just one question why things happen or or go deeper than you know the surface. And I just wanted to say, you know, uh, I appreciate it, and um, you know. 
it, it's hard to find anyone other than, let's say, someone, you know, like Alex Jones at Infowars.com or Bandai Video that, you know, I mean, you don't necessarily have to agree with them, but at least, you know, there's more and more people out there that are asking the right questions. Yeah, thank you so much, Travis. And I do think that it's harder and harder to come by that in the mainstream, as they say that we're getting more and more polarized left and right. In fact, I believe that the really important stuff is kind of converging in that we have this USMCA globalist trade deal now. We have unprecedented debt. Trump suspended the sequester. I mean, these these are things that we can all join together and dig into if we aren't totally bamboozled by the left-right paradigm. But that's not to say that that people don't have their hearts in the right place. And I do love to hear uh, genuine defense and criticism of the two-party thing. And so I want to take a couple more calls. Alan, Sonny, I'm going to get to both of you. I'm going to start with Alan, who was waiting longer. Hey, Alan, you're on with Monica. Hey, Monica, I appreciate your time. Thank you. And so I'm going to try to make this concise for you as I can. So I've worked and lived in D.C. during the Clinton era. Can you hear me? Yeah, keep going. Okay. And so I worked at a very, very prominent health club there. I'm fortunate. I'm not for money. I didn't grow up that way. I've just had a lot of fortune opportunities. So long story short, a couple of highlights while I was there, and then I'll get to my point. Um, I worked around the top 2% of wealth in the nation in Fairfax County, McLean, Virginia. Uh, I can tell you all throw names just because one of the members was Frank Carlucci, the former National Security Advisor, Ronald Reagan. What was he? He was also the, uh, can't think of it, to Portugal right now. You have can't one minute, t- Alan. One okay. minute. I'm so, sorry to say. So either side, I don't care which it is, right? It's all about money and power. It, it just doesn't matter. Yeah, quid pro quo is the norm. Yeah, it's the norm. I don't, you know, anybody that thinks the otherwise is kidding themselves. Yeah, right? I was and so when, thinking that. Yeah, keep going. You got another half a minute go. Okay, so, so you know, I'm sure Donald Trump has done some shady things. And what I found of interest, I read all the time. I also wrote a paper on my MBA that I predicted that he wouldn't, would win the presidency and I can make it available because, you know, I'm not lying. So anyway, that um, and I am a Trump fan, but I don't always agree with him. And I just read an article, wanted to get your take. This may be a ploy for the Senate to actually get him out because of all the elitists. It may not go the way he wants it to when it gets to the Senate. And I just thought it was a really yeah, interesting angle. It might. Would you tweet that at me, Alan? Tweet it at Monica Perez Show. And uh, I'll check it out, retweet it, give you my take on it. I would love that. Thank you very much. Sonny, hang on. I'll get you right after the break. And anybody else wants to call 800-WSB-TALK, this is Monica Perez. Live and festive in the Publix Holiday Headquarters studio at 95.5 WSB. Monica Perez. She's an anti-Terminator. Terminator? On 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's News and Talk. I am waking Atlanta up to the true threats to our liberty every Saturday from 3 to 6 right here on 95.5 WSB. I want to take one last call. Sonny, you've been waiting. And then we have got to dig into these smoking gun clips. Binkley stayed up all night to cut them, and I'm dying to hear him. So thank you, Binkley. And what do you got to say? Sonny, you are on with Monica. Monica, thank you so much for everything that you do. I can't tell you how much I appreciate your show. And a Merry Christmas, Happy New Year to you, too. Thank you. You, too. 
I was fortunate enough to uh, grow up with a dad who had the incantability to uh, boil things down to its 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 root. Uh, he started off, and I'll, I'll make this quick. He started off as the uh, mailboy in a national uh, insurance company, and landed up vice president twenty forty two years later. And one of the things he taught me was faith, family, and country. But in my company, I've been very blessed and, and very fortunate to build a national company, an owner of one. And one of the principles he taught me in dealing with people was this, that what you do speaks so loud, I can't hear what you say. So I guess my question to you and the listeners is that regardless, Trump, uh, remove the name, what other president in the history of this country has done more for the people in this country? I like Harding and Coolidge. And they did more by doing less. Ah, say that again. I like Harding and Coolidge, and I think they did more by doing less. So Harding they was did set more up. by doing less. Yeah, so oh, Harding that's was set very up interesting. the way Hoover was set up. So they had a big crash in uh-huh. the market, and they were going to use that to usher in a lot of controls. And Harding said, I ain't doing it. I'm hunkering down, and we're going to let this resolve itself, which it did. I believe he died uh-huh. for it. He won by the greatest landslide in presidential history. This was right after women got the votes. So don't blame us. And then Coolidge won by the second biggest landslide, following in his footsteps, and carried on that laissez-faire winning recipe, even though Wilson had just been in there, total CFR creation, and those guys held down the fort as long as they could, but then came Hoover and the crash, and they prolonged the crash, and they brought us war, and it was basically all downhill from there. But I do think that Warren Harding and Calvin Coolidge were the ones who did the most for this country by holding firm to the small federal government laissez-faire approach that was promised. Whether it was truly enshrined in the Constitution, I can't say, but it was certainly what was sold to the American people after the Revolution as being what the system was going to be. And those guys, because they were good faith administrators who understood the system and they supported it, uh, they are my favorites. And I'm not happy with Trump and this USMCA. I'm very unhappy with it. I think it is the the foundation stone of of a new globalist order. And but I'm not in favor of the impeachment, even though I absolutely object to this. Uh, the the USMCA, I also object to the impeachment. And I want to get into some of the nitty gritty because my number one objection to the whole impeachment thing is that is the vagary, is the exploitation of of the ability to have any kind of nuance. I mean, language is nuance. Law is nuance, believe it or not. It is not a computer model. It is not an Excel spreadsheet. And that's why I actually did better in business school than law school, because law takes getting the hang of real justice, true. That's why we have a common law system. It's so nuanced that you have to have a case-by-case basis. You can't just write it down. That You have to have a case-by-case basis to tease out every nuance in every marginal case. And these people who we have entrusted with the law are abusing it egregiously, in my opinion. So let's take away the nuance and try to put some meat on those bones. Okay, Binkley. So 
one thing I want to I want to I want to I want to get to the punchline first, and then maybe we pull back and talk about some of the behind the scenes stuff of how this stuff really happens. I want to listen to clips nineteen and twenty. Do you want to lay out exactly where the clips came from, and then I'll tell you what I who this guy is and what I think it means. Yeah, these clips are from an interview done by One News Network. And One American News Network, O-A-N-N. Yeah, that's correct. And I found them on the No Agenda podcast with Adam Curry, John C. Dvorak. And and what who but what we're about to hear. So there was a, I heard a longer version of this. Yeah. But uh, somebody actually tweeted it at me this morning also, and uh, I heard a longer version of this. I want to cut it down just because it's very long to just the what this the Ukrainian guy is saying. But who is asking him this question? This reporter. When was it recently? Oh, this is the One News Network reporter, and this was on December fifth, and they interviewed some of the officials over in Ukraine. Okay, so I'll tell you who this guy is. So she asks him, I I believe the setup here is that she is saying this Lutsenko, this is what happened. And and some of the other clips that we can play later lay this out as well. There was a a prosecutor, Shokin, in Ukraine who wasn't going after the people we wanted and our Soros affiliates over there wanted them to go after. And the ownership structure of Burisma is a little screwy. Like they were going after, they keep saying he he wouldn't go after Burisma. I think it's who he wouldn't go after was Zlochevsky, who was the former owner of Burisma, if I understand correctly. So I really don't know where the interests lie, why they wanted people, some to be pursued and some people not to be pursued. But Biden and that whole cabal were unhappy with this guy Shokin because he was not prosecuting Zlochevsky. That, as far as I can tell, is is indisputable. Then there's this famous moment at the CFR on a panel when Biden says, I went over there and I told those guys, you fire Shokin. He doesn't say Shokin, but he says, you fire your prosecutor or you're not going to get this billion dollar aid package. So Biden said that for sure. Then... He said in the CFR thing, so they did fire the guy and they put in a good guy, a solid guy. And he and he knocks the CFR guy on the arm. Solid. <laughs> that solid guy, if the timeline holds, and I think this reporter also confirms that, is Lutsenko. He was a prosecutor yeah, who we thought would be on our side because Yanukovych, the corrupt but democratically elected president whom we instituted a coup against because he cut a deal with Putin instead of the EU. That guy was corrupt, but we took him out, which we had no right to do. That guy was Yanukovych, and he had this guy, Lutsenko, in jail for a couple of years. And so we thought that Lutsenko would be on our side, I think. this Now, this is me interpreting, but I've done a fair amount yeah. of work on it, and that's what I think happened. So Lutsenko ends up being the one thing this system cannot tolerate, which is, I think, what happened to Kennedy and Nixon and Reagan, is a man who isn't controlled. So this, that's who I think Lutsenko is. And he had said, and I had brought this out myself. I had brought this out already anyway. You and I talked about it on Drive Time News Blast, which Travis might enjoy if you're still listening, Travis. Go to Propaganda Report. In any podcast feed, you'll find it. But I talked about this. Lutsenko said Yovanovitch, the ambassador to Ukraine, had given him or read off to him or asked him to 
write down a do not prosecute list because they were going after an anti-corruption NGO, non-governmental organization, that is basically a joint venture between the U.S. federal government and George Soros to control who does and who does not get pursued by the anti-corruption activities of the proper Ukrainian government. Now, to control that, you that's what I think is really going on behind the scenes with Ukraine, is that it's very, very corrupt. And everyone's just in there trying to get their share of it. Nobody's trying to clean up the corruption, except for maybe this guy, Lutsenko. He's very hard to understand, but the clips are fairly short. Let's listen to what he has to say. Can let's start with clip 19. And we spoke normally, and she asked me to change some old uh, deputies. But then she asked me about uh, to close case of one person. Then the, I said, no, it is impossible. I couldn't uh, close any case without investigation. So I took a piece of paper on my table, and I, uh, I write these three, uh, uh, not cases, but synonyms, Kasko, Leshenko, Shabunin, okay, okay, Mr. Ambassador, Madam Ambassador, uh, let's continue your untouchable list. Uh, she asked me, why are you so serious? And then I uh, destroyed this list, said, while I am general prosecutor, no president, nor am ambassador could give me uh, or could announce me such lists. That was the full story. So uh, she ran immediately from the office and my uh, boy in, in uh, near office doors asked me what you told her, his red face and very angry. I didn't agree to re- receive any orders to open or to close criminal cases. What'd you do to make her mad this time, Lutsenko? He, so he got, he made her mad. And that no prosecution list was that he just rattled off was Costco, who was an assistant prosecutor to Shokin, who we were trying to push out. And he resigned in disgrace when Shokin remained in place. I think that was how it works, if I recall correctly, and went to a company called Transparency International, like a, a the, one of these. What well, I think these anti-corruption companies or think tanks or organizations are really ways to claw back money from corrupt people, but put it not back into the coffers of the company. I think there's a big international scam on this anti-corruption thing. Well, this Transparency International that the first guy became affiliated with, the U.S. arm of it was disaccredited by the mothership in Germany because it was deemed to be or rumored to be a front for corporations. So they they gave Hillary Clinton like Person of the Year Award. They also gave Bechtel Corporation Person of the Year Award. They were funded by Exxon, among others, and Exxon was in favor of our coup. So there's a lot going on with that guy. Lushenko, he talks about, was a a journalist and another anti-corruption guy in parliament. So she is trying to get Lutsenko not to go after the corruption guys. And then the last guy, Shabunin, was in the Anti-Corruption Action Center, which is the Soros organization. I'm going to wrap, but what do you got there? And then we'll do the next clip after the break. Lutsenko, this interview is a response to the testimony that 
Ambassador Yovanovitch gave mm-hmm. to Congress, and he's contradicting what she said. Now, remember, she's the one that was also mentioned or referenced in the the transcript of the phone call that everybody got on Trump for saying that she's bad news. Right. And she was bad news. And then she said she felt intimidated and pushed out. And I went back and I had seen somewhere that the normal term for an ambassador, at least for an ambassador of Ukraine, was three years. So I went back to see she was there for two and a half years. Her predecessor was there for three years. His predecessor was there for three and a half years. And his predecessor was there for three years. So she served almost a full term. It was completely expected that she would be gone. The whole story around her is bogus. And this is a very important part, a very instrumental element in the propaganda campaign that's coming out of this impeachment investigation. So let's get that other clip right after the break. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Wait a minute. This is the future. We're all the phase again. On 95.5 WSB, Atlantis News and Talk. I'm back, and we have a special caller on the line that I have to take right away. Friend of the show and of voter GA fame, wanting to comment on this uh, Ukraine clip that we just played. Garland, hello. You're on. Hey, Thanks for calling. How are you? Monica, thank you so much for uh, putting that clip on the air. Um, it, great. Um, it's it's just amazing um, that you are explaining this to the people, that it was actually Lysenko who received this do, do not call verbal list from Yovanovitch. And I was so glad that you, you mentioned that because so many people don't know that. And then the other thing I wanted to add to it, and I, I, you may have mentioned this, but Victor Shokin, the guy who was uh, uh, who Biden wanted fired, yep. he he had just opened an investigation into Burisma, and he had freezed uh, assets for Slachewski, who was the owner of, of Burisma, just the month prior to Biden doing the uh, warning him to be fired. So that was in February of 2016, and Golly. then Biden tried to get him fired in March of 2016. I but, I've seen conflicting information about that. There's something weird about it. And at one point, Biden says it's not that he was prosecuting, he was investigating Burisma, is that he wasn't that upset me and and when he when i first heard biden say that and i looked into it i thought there might have been some truth to it so maybe there was something going on where they were trying to get zlochevsky and not you know what i mean i think there is something more to this i think we have to do more research yeah so um i found i've been researching this as well a lot for a presentation i'm going to make and i got to hold on ukrainian court documents hold through the break garland oh okay hold on Okay, so that can you put him on hold there, Rachel? Um, so yeah, okay, let's do that. I just want to hear what Garland has to say because this was an issue that I think has some contradictory evidence out there. Right after the break, and hang on, Mike, I'll get to you too. This is Monica Perez. Please take my hand now. Open your mind to me, please. Open your mind. Open your mind. Open your mind. This is Monica Perez waking Atlanta up to the true threats to our liberty every Saturday from 3 to 6 right here on 95.5 WSB. 
We're in hour three. We are really, I'm getting such mixed messages because I am not a, a Trump fan. I, I'm not a hater. I'm horrified by the USMCA, the United States, Mexico, Canada trade agreement, which is just a triumph for globalism. And I, I'm so upset about that. I think the impeachment is smoke and mirrors to distract from that, among a lot of other things. But I don't like the impeachment. I think it is it is one of the things it's preventing is a an investigation of Burisma and the Bidens. That, I think, is preventing it. And I think that that is an order. So I had the lucky, the privilege of having a call from my favorite local activist, Garland Favorito. So I'm putting you back on, Garland, if I can... Can you hear me? Hey, thank you, Monica. Um, I and I'm I'm not a fan of particularly of Trump either. But as you said, I mean, he, Trump, uh, the administration has not done anything wrong. He's never received any money from Ukraine or anything of value, and Ukraine got everything they were supposed to get. So I, I'm I'm with you that the impeachment is a sham. I even think uh, this idea of bribery—they're turning it on its head. Bribery is when you take money to deliver something. He didn't. He he's accused of bribing somebody else's president. Well, right, and they had to back that out of the impeachment articles yeah. because they you have to go through with the act to commit bribery, and that never nice. happened. So that's why they backed it down to abuse of power, which is very very uh, generic. It could be anything. Um, so what were you I'll, thinking about? So I was confused by whether or not. The prosecutor Biden got fired, Shokin, was actually investigating Burisma or he wasn't investigating people that Biden wanted taken out. Like they, there are two two kinds yes. of people over there, the ones they wanted protected and the ones they wanted taken out. So it, if you have exactly. any insight, Exactly. And that's what I've been looking into. And I have two things I'm going to send you. Uh, and one of them is Victor Shokin's affidavit. And um, and that is very impressive. He says that. um the truth is that I was forced out because I was leading a wide-ranging corruption probe into Burisma Holdings, a natural gas firm active in Ukraine, and Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, was a member of the board. Wow. Um, and he goes on to say, I assume that Burisma, which was connected with gas extraction, had the support of the U.S. Vice President Joe Biden because his son was on the board of directors. Um, and if you if, uh, just a couple more sentences, the official reason put forward for my dismissal was that I allegedly failed to secure the public's trust. Poroshenko and other state officials, including representatives of the U.S. presidential administration, had never previously had any complaints about my work. However, there were no grievances against me or any allegations that I had committed any corruption related criminal offenses. Biden never stated anything of the kind either. Furthermore, all sanctions in respect of Yanukovych and his supporters remained in force and were not lifted while I occupied the post. Moreover, these sanctions were extended. Hmm. And then he goes on to say, on several occasions, President Poroshenko asked me to have a look at the criminal case against Burisma and consider the possibility of winding down the investigation actions in respect of this company, but I refused to close the investigation. Therefore, I was forced to leave office under direct and intense pressure from Joe Biden and the U.S. administration. In my conversations with Poroshenko at the time, he was emphatic that I should cease my investigations regarding Burisma. When I did not, he said that the U.S. by Biden were refusing to release the U.S. dollars, $1 billion promised to Ukraine. 
And he said that he had no choice, therefore, but to ask me to resign. Wow, that's really and, interesting because Zlochevsky's money got released because Ukraine, that over in London, because Ukraine failed to file charges. I thought it was Shokin intentionally not filing charges, but perhaps he was a stop. I have to absolutely go in there and read all that stuff. So you have to send it to me, please, please, please. Well, well, well uh, Monica, here's one other thing I found out. So the question is, you're saying, well, was Shokin telling the truth or Biden? So if you, we went uh, back and found in a lot of Ukrainian newspapers the story in February of 16 when uh, Shokin went to court against Slajewski, who was the owner of Burisma, froze uh, $23 million of of his assets. Mm -hmm. So uh, that was just before Biden tried to get him fired. Mm -hmm. So the newspaper reports in Ukraine confirmed that Viktor Shokin is telling the truth. Mm -hmm. So it's very uh, upsetting. The other thing that I I think that's going to come out eventually is that that billion dollars of aid, when it was released, it was put into private bank. Uh, yes, which, yes, Kolomoisky's bank. Kolomoisky is uh, somehow uh, an owner of Burisma. Uh, well, exactly. Um, Burisma uh, is, was, was moved into the private group. They cut some deal to move down to the private yeah, in group. Cyprus, I think. And that, billion, that private bank was eventually nationalized okay. uh, in, in 2016 when they lost $5 billion. So all of yes. that aid that was going to Ukraine was lost. Right. And that's one of the biggest stories, I think, that hasn't come out yet, but probably and will next year. I'll give you something. I actually have been talking about that a lot. I'm not, I don't want to go back there. I got, I'm going to move on. But uh-huh. I will just tell you one little thing, which is okay. that ongoing issue of Privatbank, because Kolomoisky now wants to claw it back. He wants to be compensated for it, which is crazy. IMF aid is currently suspended because of this outstanding issue of whether or not Kolomoisky has to be compensated for the nationalization of private banks. So I don't know if you know that, that right now IMF aid is on hold because of that. Wow. No, you, I did not know that. Yeah. So look into that. I'm, I'm okay. going to let you go because I want to keep playing. I want to play another Lutsenko clip. and mm. uh, But keep me apprised and tweet at me these links if you don't mind, Garland. Will do. Thank you, Monica, so Thank much for you. covering this. Really Thanks appreciate so it. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon. Thanks. So, Binkley, what I want to hear is the next one, Lutsenko. This goes to some of the stuff I was talking about with Garland just now, which is Shokin. I think what he said, maybe I should have had him emphasize it, and it'll be in the affidavit, which I will read, that Shokin said that he was not going, that he was going to continue the prosecutions that they wanted him to continue. I think that's what I'm hearing, which would have been Yanukovych, which is the corrupt leader of Ukraine that we took out. In a coup. Now, this the corrupt, they're all corrupt, supposedly, like in Ukraine. Like, everything's corrupt. Even Putin, who's giving this guy safe haven, is says that he's corrupt. But what they did was they subverted... Everybody's corrupt, so you're definitely getting a corrupt guy. But he <laughs> cut a good deal with Putin, as opposed to a bad deal with the EU. And that's, that is why he was removed in a coup and brought up, I believe, on charges of murder, even though he didn't do that. So... So I think Shokin was going to continue to pursue anti-corruption investigation against Yanukovych. And I think in this clip that you're about to play of Lutsenko, I think he's referring to that. Yanukovych is the guy that Victoria Nuland and the Obama administration took out 
of the leadership of Ukraine, but he himself was also corrupt. And it sounds like, from what I read recently in a Ukraine newspaper, was that they, that some of that that money was either laundered or funneled into Franklin Templeton, which is a U.S. financial institution, and that that is that is uh, the subject of a current investigation, or at least was current when when things were moving along until the U.S. impeachment started throwing monkey wrenches into Ukrainian prosecutions. So let's hear. So this is this is the same interview, right? Yeah, this is the same interview, and he is, again, responding to the ambassador, Yovanovitch, what she said in the congressional hearings. Okay, so just as a reminder, this is Lutsenko, the prosecutor general that Biden thought was going to be his boy, put in place. Yovanovitch goes to him, tries to give him his marching orders, and he pukes on her. Yes, and he also requested to meet with the the attorney general of the United States, and she said during the congressional hearings that he didn't follow the proper procedure, and he's combating – he's undermining her statement in this. Oh, that's really interesting because Trump wanted Zelensky to meet with the attorney general. Yeah, he wanted to meet with him, and right. she said he didn't do it. Okay, let's hear this clip. It's a little hard to understand, but I think we laid it out. Told to members of the committee – that Lutsenko asked me to organize his meeting with American Attorney General. But you know, gentlemen, that there is a procedure for this, she told. The procedure that Lutsenko should or even must give us a short topic, what uh, points he he wants to discuss with American law enforcement bodies. And Jovanovic said, and he never uh, gave us such an information. I have bad news for Madame Jovanovic. This is my letter, my deputy letter, to request for cooperation in investigation against the criminal organization of Yanukovych and regarding possible investment in the U.S. based mutual and other funds for the purpose of money laundering. Yeah, I don't think they wanted any of this stuff to come out at all. Yeah. I don't think so. And and I wanted to play it in his own words because then you don't have to rely on an interpreter. So I know it's hard to understand, but at, and he I wouldn't be surprised if he insisted on that because this guy has been targeted before. He's been in jail as a political prisoner. He was arrested for like drunkenness or something in Germany, which he claims was a setup. I mean, I'm worried for this guy. Yeah, and when he's calling out the darling of the congressional hearings, he's definitely putting his neck out there. Right, and and there was maybe his no-prosecution list that he rattled off. All of them were so-called anti-corruption workers that she did not want him investigating. That Kent, George Kent, who he said was in league with her, there is an actual letter that was produced before the impeachment committee that said – Kent was writing to them, not to Lutsenko specifically, I don't think, but saying, hey, we have no concerns about how our aid is used with respect to these anti-corruption organizations, specifically these ones. So he it wasn't in such uncertain terms, but it was it was in such certain terms. But it was Kent saying stand down on the corruption investigation. So he that what that Kent letter is in writing something that supports, I think, Lutsenko's story. So. 
let's let uh, we'll do some calls after the break and then we'll we've got some more clips that I think color in that these people are plotting behind the scenes to give us a false narrative. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Evil does seek to maintain power by suppressing the truth. On 95.5 WSB, Atlantis News and Talk. We're back. I have time for a call, and we are going to get through. If you're on hold, I will get to all of the calls. I'm going to go to Mike. Mike's been waiting the longest. Hey, Mike, you're on with Monica. Hey, hey, Monica. I know Um, you've been on hold for a long time, but you're you're in the hot seat now, buddy. (laughs) Well, that's okay. Look, I I just wanted um, I just wanted you maybe to go into a little bit of detail about how if Trump had come in as a do nothing president, like you said, I think Hardage and someone else, I can't remember. Hardage Coolidge. Yes. Um, Okay, so it would be best to be left with everything. Obama did for us. And no, I'm not to, saying that. Well, to, to well, if you had to do nothing, president, that's what would happen. Nothing. I would will change, explain myself. We wouldn't have the we wouldn't have the growth in economy that we have. We wouldn't have the unemployment numbers that we have in the black community. We wouldn't have everything that Trump has done for us in less than four years. Way more than any other so-called conservative president we've had since I've been alive. And I'm 62 years old. And so how some I don't understand how a Hillary presidency would have been better. Maybe you can explain that. Here's the thing. Here's what people I I get this put in my mouth all the time. I do not support Trump. I'm not a hater. I'm not a Hillary supporter for crying out loud. I don't prefer who would you Well, what's your other Ron Paul? What's your other person to pick? Ron Paul. Well, Ron he, Paul he won Iowa not, he, that time, huh? You gotta, you gotta elect somebody that has an actual chance of winning. Why a would a person is not going to win in our country? Ron We're Paul, hold on, you gotta let me talk. You gotta let me talk. I can't mute. I, I, uh, Ron Paul was a twelve-year. Didn't he, he might have actually won twelve congressional elections? He certainly was in Congress for many, many years. He won and won and won. He was winning in Iowa. He won in primaries, and Trump was absolutely never ever elected. He was what might be described as gaff prone and hated by the media. But he got so much PR that he did do something Ron Paul couldn't have done. But I wasn't saying that I liked the do-nothing president. It's Harding and Coolidge inherited a U.S. federal government that was still contained within, like the Tenth Amendment hadn't been completely obliterated. So by them not taking interventionist measures in the economy, we returned to prosperity despite what would have been a 1929-type crisis. So I'm not saying he should have done nothing. If you're talking about the trade agreement he just did, I would have rather he did nothing. We were better off before. There's a lot of things I would rather not have. But I want to dismantle things, not implement things. And, yeah, I think Ron Paul would have been better. But Hillary, no way. Anyway, right after the break, we'll get to a couple more calls. Mark and Mark, this is Monica Perez. Live and festive in the Publix Holiday Headquarters studio at 95.5 WSB. Monica Perez. No, never give up, never surrender. On 95.5 WSB, Atlantis News and Talk. 
I am Waking Atlanta up to the true threats to our liberty every Saturday from 3 to 6 right here on 95.5 WSB. We are in the home stretch. I'm going to take these calls and then I have to have just a few more of these clips that I think really illuminate what the other side or the overlords are really up to. So uh, let's take, I'm going to go in order of waiting. Uh, Mark, you are on with Monica. Hi, Mark. Hey, Monica. Well, you know, that last call, it just reminded me the other day, you know, after this $800 billion spending bill on the military just passed with bipartisan support. In fact, Democrats uh, largely voted for this, which shows that the, uh, the the division between the White House and the Congress is fiction. But, uh, you know, I, I'm trying to point out to somebody, you know, uh, Trump, ha- you know, he has enthusiastically supported this spending orgy, uh, especially increase, you know, jacking up spending on the military. Uh, uh, the, the deficit, the budget deficit is over a trillion dollars uh, per year now, uh, thanks to the spending orgy. The national debt is now up over $23 trillion. And the Fed has resumed massive quantitative easing with Trump's enthusiastic support. Trump has pretty much demanded the Fed resume quantitative easing. They've been ballooning their balance sheet uh, again. And and I point this out to people, and all they can do is remind me, well, you know, Obama sent $150 billion to Iran. It's like, okay, I get it. Obama is corrupt. Clinton is corrupt. Don't tell me I have to choose between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. Unlike Trump, I never donated to Hillary Clinton. I never donated to Democrats. (laughs) You know, and and that's what you know. I got to be honest. The funny thing is, I think the whole impeachment uh, thing—it's theater meant to create a fiction of choice. I'm all for impeaching Trump, but for the right reasons. And the way I look at it, Monica, is that the worst crimes are hidden in plain view. They want us looking for the esoteric, you know, the 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 payoffs to some company. When I'd say what they're doing to us as a matter of policy is the real crime. It's impossible to bankrupt a people and keep their civil liberties intact. Mark, Mark, I'm like, you're blowing my mind. I love it. I I mean, you just really encapsulate. I couldn't, there's not one thing you said that I didn't agree with. And you put it so well. Well, thank you. I I appreciate that. Uh, It's frustrating that more people uh, don't understand this. Um, But, uh, Yeah, I mean, put it this way, I didn't vote for Trump, and I didn't vote for uh, Clinton either. Let me just say that the Trump is the one who suspended the sequester. This idea that we have debt higher than our GDP as a percentage is unprecedented in peacetime. And and it would take a Republican. And if you, you might want to look into, Mark, both what Bill Barr is up to with Project Guardian, where it is effectively of crime to fail a background check. Look into that oh, if you're worried about civil oh, liberties. You know, you know, that's interesting. That's interesting you bring that up because, of course, Trump is all for these red flag laws, too. And, you know, some people have been giving him accolades because they've talked about some kind of like a national uh, concealed carry bill. And I've been warning people that, you know what that's going to end up leading to? It's going to be a national firearms license. And my guess is if you don't aren't able to get that, that you're not going to even be able to own firearms. Not, not only that, that, but if you fail it, your application, they start an investigation into you. 
That's oh, in Barr's wow. thing. They, if you fail, they, they, fail they, for they, mental health reasons, they're like, who's looking for a gun who's mentally ill? We need to take action against this person. It's messed up. And, 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 of, and, and of course, the way things are now, that if you support free markets, I mean, don't use the VA or you can be diagnosed with mentally ill. But about the only thing that I could add here, too, is, um, you know, I remember when, when Trump was candidate Trump and he was campaigning against Obama's economy, you know, pointing out that, uh, you know, the stock market was a bubble and, that, you know, rising prices, uh, that's not economic growth. And that's just it, that we should not conflate rising prices with economic growth. You know, the idea that a rising stock market is an indicator of a healthy economy or that we can even believe these unemployment statistics and, and unemployment numbers. And the in- inevitable crash is going to be laid at his feet and the Democrats will run the show forever. But right. I would also right. I say one other thing and then I got to move on. But the bait and switch idea that you're saying about like a, a national concealed carry law to watch out for the details. The USMCA, the United States, Mexico, Canada trade agreement is a bait and switch of the highest order. He came in saying he was going to be the anti-globalist president. That was his single most important platform rhetoric point. And this USMCA is the actual text, word for word text, is 57%. I think it's it's over 50% taken right from TPP. And it's 70 to 75% article for article TPP. So watch out. Well, I know it was a ruse from the beginning because... If you're really genuinely concerned about the trade deficit, you'd want to deal with the underlying cause. And I'd say that what has precipitated uh, the trade deficit more than anything has been promiscuous monetary policy. You know, David Hume taught us in the 1752, Monica, how capital flows in, in an inflationary paradigm that nurtures dependence on cheaper foreign markets to supply us with production. Yet Trump has literally, yeah, I mean, he's explicitly stated that, you know, the way we can win on trade is by having the Fed cheapen money even more. And, and, and it's the exact opposite. You know, yeah, I was thinking, I can't, you know, we absolutely cannot get into that, Mark, because that is going to go too, too deep. Right. You know, it's hard to just Off-screen do that economics. like a... A conversation, but I think that that's at the heart of it. If you look at how low interest rates are, 11, 12 years into an expansion, when the inevitable correction comes, they are not going to be able to use the tools they normally use. So we're looking at a paradigm-changing event, and I think it's going to happen in the beginning of his second term. Mark, please do me a favor. Stay informed and stay in touch. Give us a call. I love it. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And tweet at me if you possibly can, at Monica Perez Show. And I'm going to go to the other Mark and see what you have to say. Mark from Lake Lanier, you are on with Monica Perez. Hey, Monica. Great show, as always. Thank you. My comment is on Ukraine. And uh, I I believe uh, Mitch McConnell doesn't want a trial. I want to just uh, acquit it and throw it out. Um, not only, I believe uh, Trump has done nothing wrong, and I believe he's one of the greatest presidents uh, ever. He is a little bombastic, but uh, the point is I'm making is there is corruption on both aisles in Ukraine. There were kickbacks going to both sides of the aisle, not only the, the uh, not only the Bidens, but other senators. We're getting kickbacks. And I'm thinking that they're trying to uh, uh, quell it down or or try to just uh, um, dismiss dismiss all this stuff because there's going to be other senators 
that were getting kickbacks. When we'd send them money, they would get kickbacks. And one of them was mentioned was Lindsey Graham. Well, Lindsey's a great yeah. guy. He does a lot of talk, but yeah. I never see a lot of action out of him. I didn't actually see evidence of that stuff. I did see some accusations like that. There were definitely other people involved, but I will I will go so far as to say this. In Operation Fast and Furious, it was as Putin would say, it's like it was like shearing a pig. There was a, a lot of squealing, but not a lot of wool. Because people are on both sides of the aisle. They don't actually want to get to the bottom of it. This very much smacks like nobody really wants to get to the bottom of what's in Burisma. And I believe that this theater, this theatrical event, is was designed primarily to prevent. And it started, I think, with Trump. I mean, maybe he didn't know what was going on. Maybe somebody scripted that call for him, which I always thought because he's just too busy a guy to like script that kind of thing. CEOs don't do that. He's not doing it. So who knows what was behind the scenes going on, and I think that we're getting led down the garden path. But I wanted to, before we, you know, we're winding down, but my producer Binkley here had found some some clips from the Council of Foreign Relations, which it's like a cliche to say that they're running the world, whatever, but in actual, the more clips you bring me, Binkley, of the CFR and their private meetings, the more it's quite obvious that they are. And so when Hillary called them the mothership, it seems like that was an accurate description and that you can see what they're up to. And what you played, you played for me on one of our podcasts, Propaganda Report, I think it was episode 186 recently. It was long, an hour and a half, so we're not going to get into all that but i did want to share so what they talk about is how to control information how to control information without making laws how to control information by controlling private entities and encouraging them nudging them as Cass sunstein would say to not come out to censor their users for example and i object to that for many reasons if these were purely private companies, I wouldn't care. But if they were purely private companies, they'd be fighting it out in the free market. They wouldn't be oligopolies that dominated one company per niche. It just wouldn't be like that. And there's so much evidence that it's in the record that these things were chosen, fostered by the government from the Department of, the Defen- of Defense to the CIA. To, so I, I don't. So the CFR is behind this. They were having a symposium, from what I understand, about these issues. And somebody without them realizing that there was a fox in the hen house, a legitimate journalist called them on what they were going on and on about fake news. Of course, their perspective is that any pro-Trump news is fake news and any anti-Trump news is not. She tried to call them on it, and they were just not having it. So I find this very interesting series of clips. So talk to me. Do you, is that a fair assessment of what we're going to hear? Yeah, this is a woman named Lucy Kozmar who is an old journalist. She's been doing it a long time, and she poses a question they weren't expecting, and they just don't answer it. All right, so let's see. Hopefully we can get through this whole little segment, which is three clips. But let her, her clip, I think, kind of says it all. So let's start with clip one. In the New York Times yesterday, there was a story, the headline, Ukrainian president says no blackmail in phone call with Trump uh, by Michael Schwartz. Uh, Mr. He said, Mr. Zelensky also said he didn't care what happens in the case of Burisma, the Ukrainian gas company that once employed a son of former Vice President Joe Biden. In the phone call, President Trump had asked Mr. Zelensky to do him a favor and investigate the debunked theory that Mr. Biden had directed Ukraine to fire an anti-corruption prosecutor who had his sights on the company. Debunked was the word of the author, not of Trump. Well, uh, go back to 
January 23rd, 2018. In this room, uh, Joe Biden speaking to the council on the record. And I went over, I guess, the 12th or 13th time to Kiev, and I was supposed to announce that there was another billion-dollar loan guarantee, and I had gotten a commission from Poroshenko and, fr- um, and from Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. I'm uh, eliminating a couple of paragraphs just for time, just to get to the nut graph. I looked at them and said, I'm leaving in 6A about this disinformation in the New York Times yesterday, and do you think that they should take down this demonstrably false information. So that's her saying that this is fake news in the New York Times. So we're going to take a quick break and we come back. Just the the audacity, the blinders. It reminds me so much of how the impeachment thing is going that it just it it's like as uh, as the head of gun owners of America said to Piers Morgan, like facts just bounce off your head, don't they? So we'll get their ridiculous rebuttal after the break. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. It's all real. Oh, my God. I knew it. I knew it. On 95.5 WSB, Atlantis News and Talk. All right, we're going to jam-pack this thing till the very last minute. Binkley, you have a clip that rebuts. So there there was a woman in the CFR, a journalist calling the CFR out on the fact that covering up for Biden in the Burisma thing is fake news, that that there it's not debunked, it's not discredited, and the media should stop treating it this way. And this is how they answer. Clip three, please. I, I think the point that you're that you're actually making the larger point that I think people would be interested in is that a, a, re, a reputable organization that does this looks at looks at errors and puts five, researches them and corrects them when they make them. If it in fact is an error, they, people should uh, correct it. But that's a, a generalized principle, and I don't know anything about the truth or falsehood of what you just said. I'm just saying that that's one of the things you want that Rick's well, talked about I, is, I, is I, transparency and correction. Let's well, not. Yeah. I don't think we yeah, want to wait, litigate wait, wait, this because we don't. We're not experts we're not on that particular standard. If I could just go in the weeds for a second, having gone to Ukraine several times at the same time that Vice President Biden was there, he was there twelve or thirteen times. I went three times. That prosecutor was a corrupt prosecutor who was uh, shaking down the people he would potentially prosecute, who already had exonerated Burisma. The, the, the company that his son worked for. So he was saying the prosecutor that exonerated Burisma needed to be fired. And you know who else was saying it? The IMF, the World Bank, the EU, everybody else. It was a corrupt prosecutor. Now that flies in the face of what Garland just read to us from the affidavit of that prosecutor himself. Yeah. That guy's name is Richard Stingle also. He bragged about doing propaganda when he worked for the State Department in another CFR clip. And I love the way that other chick just steps right in and says, well, you're talking about, you know, if there's an error, we need to correct it. an error. It's a lie. The whole panel short-circuited at that question. Well, because somebody let her in. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure she's... Her name is plastered on, like, every bulletin board, every globalist bulletin board around the world, like... (laughs) She and Lutsenko want to like go into the witness protection program because they're they're not going to be safe and certainly not going to have jobs. But we appreciate what she did, and we get into this kind of stuff all the time. We have our podcast, Binkley and I, Propaganda Report. You can just look that up in any podcast feed, or you can find it all on the website that we share, thepropreport.com. Also, 
My favorite hobby, and I only developed this hobby after having to read the news every day, is making craft cocktails. So I'm going to start tonight my 12 Cocktails of Christmas, which you can get at monicamixes.com if you've never been there. Some really tasty things, and usually it's just stuff you have in your fridge. Anyway, because I want to have a little lighter side that this stuff will really get you down if you take it too seriously. But there's so many thinking people out there. That I feel like we we get together like this on Saturdays, and uh, it gives me hope. It gives me a little bit of hope that us rank and file can still think. Right? A little bit of hope is nice. A little bit of hope. But we'll be back next Saturday from 3 to 6 right here on WSB. This is Monica Perez.